first, a message from our sponsor. Input. Output. Hi, this is Input Output, and I'm your host, Mark Yarm. Today on the Input Output Podcast, we go totally electric. When Harley-Davidson first put power to two wheels in 1903, it changed how the world moved. Forever. More than a century later, inspired by the pioneering spirit of Harley-Davidson's founders, Serial One has created an e-bike that's designed to change how the world moves. Again. In the spring, Harley-Davidson's electric bicycle offshoot Serial One will release two e-bike platforms, the Minimalist Mosh and the Commuter-Friendly Rush. InputMag.com news editor Craig Wilson recently got to try out the bikes and wrote up a report. Here he is reading an excerpt from his piece. Both the Rush and Mosh impressed me with their thoughtful design decisions. Integrated head and tail lights, concealed cables and electrical wiring, and the elevated chainstays all make for an elegant and understated end result. If anything, it's this quiet confidence that's the least Harley-Davidson-esque thing about them. Welcome back to the show, Craig. Thanks for having me, Mark. So since when has Harley-Davidson been into e-bikes? Well, this is the thing, you know, Harley, it turns out, I'm told at least, in the early days was interested in motorizing wheels. Now, it wasn't too concerned about what sort of wheels they were. And actually, the very first motor it built back in the beginning of the 20th century was intended for a bicycle. But lo and behold, motorcycles took off as a category and they were perfectly primed and positioned to hop on that bandwagon, so to speak. And so they ended up making more motorcycles instead. But, you know, now the the world is changing and a lot of things are electrifying and we're moving away from combustion engines. There's a huge uptake in demand for high-end e-bikes as an alternate for commuters. And Harley-Davidson, I guess, is disinclined to leave any of that potential money on the table. I like the way you describe it in the subheadline of the story, less bad out of hell, more yuppie out of Starbucks. <laughs> Thanks. Well, that's that's a lot of how these sort of bikes feel. You know, I think when you mention the brand Harley Davidson, a lot of people have this image of people on these huge motorcycles wearing leather jackets, possibly with a large beard. And these bikes are sort of the antithesis of that. These are aimed at urban commuters in particular. And there's two models. There's one which is sort of fenders and racks, and it's meant to, you know, let you go and do the shopping or pick up the kids from school or that sort of thing. And the other, which is called the Mosh, which is more of a sort of off-road bike with a city focus. So, you know, they have visions of you perhaps hopping onto a trail in the park or hopping the odd curb or that sort of thing. It's a little bit more of an action bike and it gets rid of the fenders and those sorts of other commuter essentials. And it's just a little sort of more playful. So you got to actually ride these around lovely Prospect Park in Brooklyn. What was your experience like? Cold. (laughs) It turned out it was the first snowy day of the year. So other than getting caught in the snow, it was an absolute delight. You know, what was amazing about these is how slick and user-friendly they are. You know, a lot of e-bikes have a throttle like a motorcycle that you sort of twist to get assistance. Others still have gears that you have to navigate. This was just a get on, pedal and go. These are all pedal assist bikes, which is that as soon as you turn the pedals, the motor kicks in 
and how much assistance it gives you depends on the level that you've set it to. So you can get a small amount of assistance or right up to a huge amount of assistance, which they call boost mode. And on the fastest bike, that'll help propel you up to 28 miles an hour, which is not sluggish. And I think the advantage of that is that for people who perhaps have been a little shy of e-bikes or who just want something that's really easy and non-threatening, I think in that department, these do really well. And the other thing that helps is that this sort of boost is what makes them such a great fit for urban commuting. You know, I think a lot of people worry, well, when we eventually get to go back to offices, you know, they don't really want to arrive hot and sweaty, particularly if their commute is longer than a couple of miles. And with these sorts of bikes, it's absolutely possible to use them to get from A to B and back again without breaking a sweat, if you like. You know, you just dial up the boost assistance and sort of gently turn your feet. It's a really pleasant experience. So when can we expect these new e-bikes and how much will they cost? So they're going to ship in the spring of next year, which I guess is just in time to have it be pleasant enough to get out there again. And then they'll sort of roll out, I guess, based on the order numbers. So people who get their orders in sooner will get their bikes sooner. But sort of spring or summer, they're going to come out. Now, in terms of pricing, the cheapest of the lot is the Mosh, the sort of pared down one I spoke about that's a little bit more action orientated. And that has a starting price of 3400 and then they go up to sort of 4400 for the commuter-focused rush. But there are a few models of that, and those top out at a pretty hefty $5,000. So, you know, these are not going to be um, impulse buys, and it certainly takes a bit of a commitment to leap at this. But I guess part of the reason Harley-Davidson thinks it can get away with this kind of premium pricing is the premium finish. You know, you've got these integrated taillights and headlights. All of the cabling is hidden inside the frame. It's a very, very highly sort of engineered and luxury product. And it does sort of feel like the luxury version of an e-bike. Now, a message from our sponsor. You can follow Craig on Twitter at Craig Wilson. Now on to today's second story. From the purveyors of portable power, the new Anchor Powerhouse 2 400 is ready for adventures or ready to power your home in emergency situations as well. A bigger brother to the Powerhouse 200 that we took a look at last year. The 400 has some more outputs as well as a 388 watt hour capacity. So let's dive in and take a look at all the ins and outs of the Anchor Powerhouse 2 400. The Anchor Powerhouse 2 400 mobile generator delivers enough juice to power a fridge and your laptop, all for the very reasonable price of $400. InputMag.com Guides editor Evan Rogers recently tested out the Powerhouse 2 for a couple of weeks and came away impressed. Here he is reading an excerpt from his review. For a compact battery like the Anchor Powerhouse 2 400, the use cases are pretty varied. You could take it to a picnic, or you could take it and just leave it in your apartment charged for backup power. And after the fires on the West Coast this year, I like having a couple hours of backup power just available at any given time. Welcome back to the show, Evan. Thanks. Happy to be here. So you've written this review of the Powerhouse 2 400 compact battery. What draws you to devices like this? So the Anchor Powerhouse is part of a growing category of what I think used to be referred to as solar generators. It's a little bit of a misnomer because I don't think very many people are going to be using the solar aspects of it, even though it can be charged with a solar panel. These solar generators are really just kind of extremely large lithium-ion batteries. 
And I started using them when I was doing some van life stuff. I used to have an SUV with a bunch of solar panels on top that I was traveling all around the western half of the U.S. in. And those solar panels were charging up my solar generator. And that's how I got familiar with them. But then we had 2020. And these generators, these giant lithium-ion batteries were flying off the shelves because of the wildfires out in California. Because people were just losing power because of the sort of like not very good power infrastructure they have out there. And the nice thing is, is that these have fallen in price quite a bit. So the Anchor Powerhouse 2 400 costs about $400. That's very close to a dollar per watt hour, which is how you sort of measure the capacity of these giant lithium ion batteries. And the nice thing about it is, is that like I was using a Goal Zero Yeti 1000 when I was doing my van life stuff. And I originally paid 1200 bucks for that. And the Powerhouse 2400 is 400, which is, you know, very significantly less. I think it's much more in reach for, for anyone who might need this. And like the people who need these types of things, yes, they're definitely like outdoorsy people, but more often, I think people are using them to power CPAP machines, medical devices that simply cannot lose power. And people who needed these things this past year for all, all types of different power, but like, you know, in the case of the Powerhouse 2400, I think the nice thing about it is that it's perfectly sized. It's as affordable as it can be, but it has exactly enough power to run something like an air purifier for several hours. And it's really nice. And like it has some of some features that that make it really nice, like at whatever load you're running it at. So if you were running a air purifier on it, it would actually tell you how many hours you have left. So there's like lots of nice features. It's at a really good price point, which is you know sort of why I decided to jump in and try and review this particular one, because there are a number of other ones on the market. But Anchor is sort of like a well-known quantity when it comes to chargers and power stuff and like power bricks and that sort of thing. And it had the right amount of power to price and feature ratio. I think it's really in the sweet spot. I have been in contact with uh, Goal Zero. So I think I'm going to look at the new Yeti 1500X soon, which is very cool, but it costs $2,000. The neat thing about it, though, is that it has some performance features that make it worth that. So I'm excited about uh, diving into that, too. Going back to the Powerhouse 2 in your review, you noted that it had at least one drawback. No, you're absolutely right. One of the things about these big lithium-ion batteries is that you need to charge them, and it's not trivial to do so because they have such a big capacity. So the Powerhouse 2 400, if I remember correctly, comes with a 65-watt wall charger, which will charge it uh, relatively fast, you know, like um, acceptably fast. But on the website, it notes that you can use both the USB-C port to charge it with, like, let's say your laptop charger and the DC port at the same time. And I just could not make that work. You'd think that that's sort of a bit of a nitpick, like who would need to charge it like that. But when I was really using my giant lithium-ion battery, I found it pretty challenging to keep it topped up all the time. You would be surprised how much electricity a 15-inch macbook pro uses on the one hand if you are using this thing for light duty stuff it's going to be great the minute you start to push it in a power user direction i think it could still stand up pretty well but if they don't find a way to make that work or like they don't fix that then i think you might have a challenge keeping it charged if you are really pushing it you can follow evan on twitter at evan rogers and i am at mark yarm For more news from the world of technology and culture, visit InputMag.com. You can click on the links in the show notes for the stories we discussed today. 
New episodes of Input Output are released three times a week. If you enjoyed what you heard, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. You can find Input Output on your smart speaker or whichever podcast app you use. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.